Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a failed vodka salesman to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the false dilemma fallacy, also known as the false dichotomy, the either-or fallacy, and the black-and-white fallacy. Yeah, this one has a lot of names, but uh, it's actually quite a simple fallacy, really. Because all it is, is when somebody presents you with a limited number of options. It's usually two options, but it doesn't have to be. But it's, a, it's presenting you with a limited number of options when actually there are more options available. Now, um, I can't explain this as well as simply by demonstrating it with a clip from Trump. Okay. Because just last month, he gave us a textbook example of this fallacy. Under current law, we have only two policy options to respond to this massive crisis. We can either release all illegal immigrant families and minors who show up at the border from Central America, or we can arrest the adults for the federal crime of illegal entry. Those are the only two options, totally open borders, or criminal prosecution for lawbreaking. So obviously those are not the only two options because that was not what was being done all the way up until April of this year. And it's, it's clear that those aren't the only two options. It doesn't have to be either criminally prosecute people coming in over the border or totally open borders. There's all kinds of options that you could have, even under current yep. law. That's the thing. I guess says, that's the black and the white, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And he he specifies under current law, which is fair enough. So that does limit your options, but it doesn't limit them to this extent because it was under current law that they were prosecuting these people civilly beforehand. So it's it's very clear that there aren't only two options. It wasn't totally open borders before that moment when he said that. It it wasn't. No, it was. No. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a way of simplifying. It's a way of it's a way of making this easy so that people don't really have to think very much. There's a kind of there's a kind of trick that some people use if they're freelancing. For example, a freelance designer, if you ask them to design a logo for you, they might present you with two different options that are kind of similar in some ways, but quite different in others. And this is because as a freelancer, if you if you fix your prices up front then there's a concern that the client might actually ask for lots of changes. They might ask for, you know, different colors, different sizes, different fonts, different images and so on. And if, if you're just doing all that extra work then and not getting any extra money, then it, it's a waste of your time and you can't move on to another client. By presenting two options and saying, which do you like? You're actually fixing in the client the idea that actually all they have to do is pick one. They, they, they're not necessarily going to look at one and think, well, it's not exactly what I want because they're looking at it, comparing it to the other one, going, well, that one's the best one. And then they've kind of got ownership of it as well. And they, and they feel like if they, they're probably not going to change it that much. And it, it really, it does work. It's a kind of psychological anchoring that, that happens. And, and that's kind of what Trump is trying to do here. He's saying, like, these are your two options. And it, and it also on the freelance 
thing. It also means that you haven't actually got to do any work yourself. And what you're doing is you're giving the person to whom you're going to give some money, and therefore you are accepting that they're in a power, in a, a position of authority when it comes to being able to do this stuff. They are doing the job of work for you. You haven't got to do any of the thinking. And to a certain extent, Trump is doing the same stuff in presenting these two options. He's saying, I'm doing all the thinking for you because I'm in charge. You've put me in this position of authority and I've done all the work and I've identified the two choices that there are on your behalf yeah absolutely he's taking away any any difficult thinking that you might have to do and saying look mm-hmm. here are your here are your two options it's either completely open borders immigration Ill- illegals everywhere it's going to be a nightmare or our way which do you prefer mm. <laughs> um yeah so yeah but and now this isn't it as i say it's quite a simple fallacy to to spot because you can usually tell actually, if you think about it, where um, people are offering you two options or maybe sometimes three, four, um, but where there are actually usually more. Mm-hmm. Ironically, because it's quite an easy one, it, something is, is either an either-or fallacy or it isn't. There isn't a lot of <laughs> middle ground. Where there could be some confusion is is people thinking that it's a, it's a fallacy just because someone is offering you a limited number of options. And that can be... Because there are actually a, lo- a limited number of options. If, for example, a mother was saying to her children, you can have either lasagna or vegetarian lasagna for dinner. If those are the only two things she's prepared to make, that's not a fallacy. Because those are the options that she, she's, she's limited the options and then she's presenting you with the, with the limited options. The fact that there are other foods doesn't make it a fallacy. So if the, if the options are actually limited, even by an artificial means, then that's fine. And if they're limited sometimes by um, just pure kind of rules of physics or logic, then it's also not a fallacy. For example, if you say a lasagna either has meat in it or it doesn't, that's not a fallacy. There's only two options, but there literally isn't a kind of lasagna that doesn't fit in one of those two boxes. Yeah, so it's a bit like if you kind of, you've woken up and uh, come downstairs and go, do you know what, I want to have um, uh, pancakes for breakfast and your mum's, cooking you lasagna you kind of you the fallacy wouldn't be oh okay well you can either have lasagna or nothing because that that's that that isn't a logical fallacy the fallacy would be either you make me pancakes or i will starve to death yeah i'm just struggling to get past someone having lasagna for breakfast really lasagna for breakfast yeah. I, I knew you'd take that. it's a good album yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could happen. It could have woken up halfway through the day. That, yeah. 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 Could happen. It could. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, lasagna is not a logical fallacy. <laughs> so um, uh, another example from Trump, uh, which uh, is, again, on, on kind of immigrant lines, uh, is something that he's talked about before. This legislation presents a simple choice. Either vote to save and protect American lives or vote to shield and comfort criminal aliens who threaten innocent lives and they've been shielded too long. So there's there's a bit of an appeal to fear and emotion in there as well. Mm. <laughs> it's very clear that he's yeah. saying that the immigrants are scary. But yeah, but yeah he's presenting it as uh, you, if you, when you vote on any kind of immigration bill, what you're doing is you are either voting to protect Americans 
or you're voting to shield criminals. And he does this. This is a favourite tactic of Trump's, particularly with things like MS-13. He talks a lot about MS-13. He describes any Democrat who votes, uh, who suggests that what we should do is abolish ICE, for example, as being uh, in favour of MS-13. And basically, (laughs) ICE have potentially sometimes questionable tactics. They have possibly too much power in some areas. And it is okay to question that. It's okay to say, you know, is this organization something that that we should be putting the the resources into? Is it the right people to be doing this job? Um, Without also liking a violent gang. (laughs) <laughs> those two things don't have to go together yeah. and so you, you can be yeah. you can be someone who falls in between those two it's not the only two options yeah yeah well it, it reminds me of the george bush one either you're with us or you're with the terrorists well that they're not the sole options you know that that and you can kind of you can sort of spot it a mile off because you know there's umpteen 50 shades of grey in between and so there's something in there that's compelling. Uh, it's a it's a compelling argument to to it contains the thing about you know yeah if you're against us then we don't like that um, and you wouldn't want to be against us you we would rather have you for us but it's never done in that kind of gentle agreeing kind of collaborative way it's always done well, by Trump anyway, as these complete extreme positions that one, you know, you're forced to, you're forced into one, which, and what that does is give the people who are for you permission to attack verbally or otherwise the people who are therefore perceived to be against you. Yeah, It makes people into enemies. Yeah, and in in quite a sinister way, it is used to create uh, other, a group, you know, that is is not like us and therefore can be treated differently. Um, You know, calling immigrants animals, for example, is a way of separating out you from them and saying, you know, we don't, we don't need to worry about them. When Fox and Friends were talking about uh, the children in cages, Brian Kilmeade said, well, they're, you know, they're not our children. They're not American children. Mm. As mm. if that somehow makes it okay. Yeah. <laughs> so by, oh. by, by, Having um, that view, and and that and Trump has done incredibly well at separating out mm. his tribe from the Democrats, from um, you know anyone who disagrees with him. Basically, it's it's them and us, and it, and this is just another way of doing that. It's creating, like you say, if, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. You can spot it coming with Trump because he hasn't got. You know, far be it from me to say that Bush had a little more nous than Trump did does, but at least Bush wouldn't say there is just one simple choice, either this or that. He would he wouldn't get, wouldn't flag the thing up before he's about to say it, and then he just says, you know, you're you're with us or you're with the terrorists. Yeah, you know that. So to act, you can spot it coming as soon as somebody says there's just a simple choice, and if it and if it's nothing to do with lasagna, then it's likely to be a logical fallacy. Yeah, yeah. Trump really did kind of push it. He really said, you know, there are only two choices. Here are your two choices. Those are the only two choices. Um, it's you know, he really, really pushed 
the the only two yeah. choices thing down your throat and, and yeah. leaving no room for for nuance at all yeah and it and it's almost it it puts me in mind of the straw man uh, fallacy because it, what you're doing is setting up two simplified versions of the the nuanced arguments and then pitching them against each other so you're kind of so you you can counter this on many levels one of which is to say well there's more than two choices and the other one is to say well the choices that you're op- you're offering me are really oversimplified versions of what's actually happening so you're you've you've set that up as a simplified thing so it's much more complicated than than that either side of these arguments plus there are m- many more than just these two arguments yeah and you hit on it there the the, the best way to counter the the false dilemma the false dichotomy is to simply point out a thing that doesn't fit into either category mm. where where there is another option just say well what about that because it, it points out that if if they're claiming there's two there's actually not yeah or you could just do the michael jackson rejoinder which is to say it don't matter if you're black or white i think we'll move on from there <laughs> And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. Good. Well, this week we're not going to use a Boris Johnson example. No way. Um, uh, uh, yeah, because <laughs> actually he's no longer part of our lives, having resigned as the uh, Foreign Secretary. But it was to do with Brexit and the whole of the presentation of the two sides of Brexit have become a bit of a false dilemma so if you voted to remain in the EU, you're then described as a righteous liberal who stands for modern values. If you voted to leave the EU, then you're described as a dumb, misinformed xenophobe. It's a false choice. There's a yeah, lot more. Only, only most of the people uh, who voted to leave that. are dumb, misinformed <laughs> xenophobes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Not all of them, just <laughs> most of them. So it's not, it's not as clear cut as that. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think also there within the arguments for leaving uh, or remaining, uh, mostly for leaving, in the referendum itself was set up as a false dilemma, um, such as we need to leave or we will lose sovereignty, whatever that means. So there's a there's a choice, um, and the other one was we must leave to take back control whatever that means. So, you know, if we don't do this, then we will get that. And actually, it's not true at all. And to a certain extent, the, uh, the certainly the right-wing media have been perpetuating the fact that anyone who's publicly, intelligently and raising legal questions in argument against Brexit um, have been described as the enemy of the people. So, so that kind of a dumb, misinformed xenophobe kind of thing has been applied by the dumb, misinformed xenophobes against the people who want to remain or the people who are questioning the whole Brexit thing in the first place. So, and what was interesting was that Tony Blair, former leader of the Labour Party, actually was talking about this. Uh, He was appearing on uh, Euronews and he was interviewed by uh, Tessa Arcilla and he says this in response to her question. So-called liberal elites are, again, here 
quote-unquote selling out our country. Do you, do you acknowledge the counterproductive impact that you may have on your goals? This idea that, you know, you, all the liberal elites are on the side of staying in Europe and then the people are on the other side. 16 million people in Britain voted to remain. You know, they're not all elitists. The people who control the right-wing media in the UK are not exactly ordinary people in the street. So you've got elites on both sides, you've got ordinary people on both sides. And to a certain extent, that's the problem and that's the position that the Labour Party are tussling with because there is this sense in the UK that the Tories are all out for the Brexit, um, which has led to infighting within the Tory party because some of them aren't. uh, And the all-out Brexiteers are convinced that Theresa May is not going to do with Brexit, which is why Boris Johnson resigned. So it's all very uh, complicated and nuanced. Um, But what Blair has said there, you know, that there are leavers and remainers on both sides. And the kind of people that they're not all one or the other. So the Labour Party are being set up to say, right, because the Tories are for Brexit, you need to be for Remain. But their leader, Jeremy Corbyn, has always said all along, there are reasons for leaving um, and there are reasons for staying. And like Blair points out, there are ordinary people who aren't xenophobic morons who would like to leave. And there are xenophobic morons who would like to remain. <laughs> so it's a, it's a difficult position to be in. Yeah, it's a weird kind of um, mixture, isn't it? Because it was kind of with the, what we were talking about earlier with the them and us, it was very much set up uh, more, I think, than most, well, certainly most, most elections and most kind of things where you push to support one side or the other. It really was set up as a them and us campaign, wasn't it? The yes mm. or no for Brexit. Yep. And and it and the rem- remainers and the the leavers, they kind of they did form tribes and they did throw uh, insults at each other and still do online frankly anytime mm. the, the topic mm. of Brexit comes up in a discussion board it, it's very much you know that it, it splits up into into the kind of the jets and the sharks in a way but um yeah but since then there've been you know is it going to be a soft brexit is it hard brexit brexit means brexit mm. it seems to be like it, it will be some kind of compromise perhaps which as all the best compromises no one will be happy with um, because yeah. now everyone yeah, yeah. has been forced to, to pick a side and has been has decided that you know only their 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 answer their result is going to be okay. I think that's a a fair summary of where it's at. I think there's a lot of expectations. There's a and there's also a lot of well, there's a lot of straw manning going on because people are saying, okay, well, the will of the people is. So you kind of, you go, well, we've got to go with the will of the people. And all the referendum said was, do you want to leave or do you want to remain? It didn't say, what kind of Brexit do you want? So when people say, okay, well, the people voted for a hard Brexit. Well, no, we didn't. We had no idea that a hard or soft Brexit or a red, white and blue Brexit existed (laughs) at that point. She's come up with some crap, hasn't she? (laughs) Yeah. So nobody knows. Nobody, you know, we, everything other than leave or do you want to leave or do you want to remain? Other than that, everything else has had to have been made up from that point on. So this, this constant presenting it as a choice. Well, either you go for this 
or you don't. And the and the current version of the um, the false dilemma is now whether we leave the EU with a deal or an, or no deal. This Monday, the 9th of July, just gone, um, the day that Boris resigned, uh, Chuck Ramuna, who's a Labour MP and a one-time leadership candidate, um, was asked where he falls on the deal or no deal. But I will not vote for the Prime Minister's uh, proposals. It doesn't cover most of our economy. Mm. And so this spinning that's been going on that, you know, Labour MPs mean, I will not vote for this. I want a people's vote on this whole thing. I think it needs to go back to the people. So he, what he's um, resisting, so this whole section of the programme, they've got a big board on the wall and it says deal one side, no deal the other. And they've got the uh, pictures of leading MPs and they're trying to place them on the board as to whether they will be deal or no deal. So, in fact, the media are, are in this programme are pushing this false dilemma. You've either got to choose a deal or no deal. And what Chucker goes straight for he identifies the third way. He says uh, there is at least another choice. So he's burst the false dilemma by saying, well, actually, what I want is a people's vote. You know, I want something else. Um, but even though he said that, they're desperate to make him choose one, one side or another. And the, the presenter presses him and asks him this. All right. Where are you putting me on I'm no deal? I'm putting you on the no deal. OK. Let well, me... I'm not a fan of no deal. Uh, right. That is not something I would like to see. I so, think that would be, but I actually think that would be anathema to the House of Commons. I mean, that is a hypothetical. Well, let's, I don't actually think is a possibility. Well, is the deal no better than no deal, I suppose? A, a deal is definitely better than no deal, but I'd like it to go to the people. Well, the current deal. So there, so there is again, they're pushing him and they're saying, OK, so if you're not in favour of this particular deal that's just been uh, defined we don't know what it is because the white paper hasn't yet been published, then you must be in agreement with no deal. And he says, no, I'm not a fan of no deal. So he's resisting um, very effectively this, the the compulsion to choose one or the other. And at no, and at no point, and I, the whole premise of this bit of the programme is based on that. And at no point do they go, oh, yeah, do you know what? There is more than one choice. Here we see the fallacy in the wild. David Attenborough. It's got a lot more subtle this week. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So in the fallacy in the wild, uh, we look at the logical fallacy of the week from a non-political point of view, uh, often with pop culture or some other kind of um, arena. And this week, it's fairly straightforward to find these kinds of things. As, as we said, Bush kind of gave us a really good example with either you're with us or with the terrorists. And that kind of thing comes up in films and TV. You know, loads of loads of action heroes say, you're either with me or you're against me. Uh, one example would be in Die Hard when uh, John is in the bathroom and uh, one of the police down below in, is complaining that lots of people are covered in glass and uh, he, he's not that impressed with that. And here's what he says. Now you listen to me, jerk off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. So that's fairly straightforward. And to be fair, the, the police guy, Dwayne Robinson, he is, he is kind of part of the problem in a way. So in this particular instance, that's fair. But it's not true to say that if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. There are plenty of people who are neither. I was thinking of... Uh, another movie-related 
false dilemma, which is the opening sequence of Star Trek Into Darkness, where Bones and Kirk are running away from an indigenous species on the planet, having stolen uh, some sort of important religious relic, and they get to the edge of the cliff. So their, their dilemma is... Well, either we stand here and get a spear in our back or we jump off the cliff. Is that a false dilemma? Either we stand here and die or we jump off the cliff and die. I think that's a genuine dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, because it's the beginning of the film, they they managed yeah. to get out of it. So it turns out to be a yeah. false dilemma. But I think I think it's fair to say at the time it's, uh, it's, not, an, it's not a fallacy, at least. No, I, no. I did look at my watch and go, well, this can't be the end of the movie because <laughs> it's really like a two, two minutes in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have another example, um, the, the much, Ooh, yep. uh, much maligned and forgotten um, sitcom, According to Jim, with uh, Jim Belushi. Do you think you and Mommy did a good job raising me? Of course we did. Well, then you obviously taught me right from wrong. True. And you should trust me to do the right thing. Wait, 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 wait. Or you're a bad father. Take your pick. So in doing that, she kind of paints him into a corner uh, using the false dilemma by setting him up like that to, to kind of agree to one half of the um, the dilemma in a way, um, basically yeah. saying, well, because yeah. that's an interesting thing we, we haven't seen in any of the others, basically. It's, it, it's saying, do you accept this option? And the person says no. And then, and then they say, well, this is the only other option. You know, there's mm. only two options, and you've already said no to that one, yeah. so you must accept this one. It's a, it's a slightly different variation on it. In my experience of editing films, that's kind of known as the hairy arm. So you have you have a scene where you go, here's the edit, and the, and people go, oh my god, what's that hairy arm? Can't you cut that out? And we go, oh yeah, yeah. So you take that away, and then everything else that you wanted to keep in looks less bad. So they've gone for, well, we don't want that. So you're left with the choices that I've, I've presented to you after that. Yeah, it's, a, it's a variation on the, on the freelancer trick, isn't that. it? Like, which do you prefer, the, mm. one, the one with the hairy arm in or the one without the hairy arm in? <laughs> Obviously that one. <laughs> yeah. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Are you ready? Because you, you need to catch up here. You are doing very, very, oh, no. very badly in this game. Oh, no. Yeah. We're, we're four episodes feel in. like I'm, the England soccer team. Yeah. I, I'm undefeated currently out of fake news. Mm. So, and it, yeah, you know, you've got a one in three chance. So you're doing, you're doing basically, if you just threw a dart at the numbers, you'd have, I mean, I don't know how good you are at darts, but you'd probably do yeah. better than actually trying to think about yeah. it. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I think over, over the course of however many programs we've got, 455, I might just score some just from blindly pointing at the, at the numbers, yeah. Let's see if you can get up to, to kind of chance level, 30%. Obviously, you can't do it in this episode. You're too far gone for that. But over time, yeah. we'll see if we can work towards yeah. it. I'm, I'm okay. going to try. I'm going to uh, adopt the practice of not overthinking it this okay. time. Okay. So, uh, number one, I had an idea recently. 
When they send illegals into our country, we charge Mexico $100,000 for every illegal that crosses the border because it's trouble. Number two. I feel like a supermodel except like times 10, okay? It's true, I'm a supermodel. I'm on the cover of these magazines, I'm on the cover of the biggest magazines, I don't even know about it, I can't even read the stories because if I did, I wouldn't get any work done. Or number three, I asked Kim if he knew the song, because you know I called him Rocket Man, so I asked him if he knew the song. Tremendous song. Elton John is a great friend of mine, I've known Elton a long time. So I asked him if he knew the song and he didn't, so I had Mike take him a CD. <sighs> okay... Well, I yeah. See, I think the Rocket Man thing is probably probably true because there was that whole thing about him calling him Rocket Man, and then Kim Jong Un getting really angry about that, and then he said, "Well, it was just a song." And they, when they were friends for that twenty minutes a couple of weeks ago, so yeah. And Mike Pompeo took him a CD. Okay. Uh, right. Um, the thing about Mexico, see, I like that little because it's trouble at the end. That sounds quite genuine, but then I don't trust anything you say. So I feel like a supermodel except like times 10. But see, that sounds like an older version of Trump when he was getting that's the kind of thing. But the thing that troubles me about that is because because if I did, I wouldn't get any work done. We haven't got any work done anyway. You, and I can't read the stories because I can't read. Uh, um, okay, I think, I think, I think number two is false. You think, think number you two is false? I think you made up number two. I think you made up number two. Okay. So, yeah. so number one, you're confident in uh, Number one, I'm confident is real. Okay, and number one, play the clip is real. And I had an idea recently. When they send illegals into our country, we charge Mexico one hundred thousand dollars for every illegal that crosses that border because it's trouble. So yeah, that's kind of a crowd. He did say that. He said that um, thing on the campaign trail in 2016. He he um he had that idea. He hasn't. He hasn't brought that one up. I think he's already having trouble getting Mexico to agree to give him any money for anything. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not yeah. sure that that would work. He would be sending them bills, and they would not be paying. They would just not pay them. Yeah, yeah. And then what are they going to do? You know, sue them all, repossess uh, yeah. Mexico. Yeah, Re yeah. repossess Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Take it back. So number two, you think number two is is one I made up. And uh, number two yeah. is real. I feel no. like a supermodel except like times 10. Okay? It's true. I'm a supermodel. I'm on the cover of these magazines. I'm on the cover of the biggest magazines. I don't even know about it. I can't even read the story because if I did, I wouldn't get any work done. No. Yeah. Look yeah, at he that. Said that. So the Elton John one is... The Elton John one. When did he say that? When did he say the supermodel? The supermodel one. one. It was um, it was still on, on the campaign again. It was before he was actually right. president, but yeah. he he was talking about how many times he'd been on Time magazine and how basically he's just on the cover of all these magazines. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow. So, yes. so you made up number three. So I made oh up my number God. three. Um, he did so not. Good. Apparently, uh, th there was a rumor that he had sent uh, a CD of of Rocket Man that he'd signed. Yeah. 
with Mike Pompeo to give yeah. to Kim, but uh, apparently yeah. that was not true. So, all uh, right. But so, yeah, I, I think I yeah, you might that, have heard the rumor and used yeah, it as exactly. an opportunity yeah, to yeah. fool you. Yes, exactly. It gives it some sort of veracity, doesn't it? Yes. Which oh, means, damn. I remain undefeated at fake news. Oh, man, <laughs> it is four oh. nil. That's great. So, <laughs> but yeah. podcast listeners, I can't possibly continue this run all on my own. I need your help to fool Mark. So, if you think you can make a convincing fake Trump quote up, then share this episode on Twitter. Include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump. I'll pick the best one, and you'll be podcast famous. And I'll hate you all. And now it's part of the show where we try and discuss some of the crazy things that are going on around the White House, but there's just too much crazy stuff. We don't have time, so we have to focus on one story. And this week, we're calling this part of the show Corruption is Not a Logical Fallacy, because finally, finally, Scott Pruitt (laughs) has resigned, or depending on who you ask, possibly been, been pushed out, finally. Mm. Oh, God. It's something that we've been waiting for for a long time now. He has been racking up scandals like no one before. That It's just he literally has, I think, 14 or 15 federal investigations, uh, which aren't going to stop now that he's resigned necessarily because some of them were, were about breaking laws. So I think they will continue. But it was it's been time for him to go for a long time. And he wrote a letter of resignation to the president which uh, we have to read because it's yeah. quite amazing it it reminds me of the the doctor's letter being made up by somebody else but it's it's but it's it wouldn't surprise me if it it was made up by trump well that's the thing that that yeah because yeah. because the doctor's letter that was um talking about how his his blood pressure was tremendous and and all his tests were positive was was actually apparently dictated by trump is anyone going to be surprised if it turns out this one was dictated by Trump? Let's let's see. It begins, Mr. President, it has been an honour to serve you in the Cabinet as Administrator of the EPA. Truly, your confidence in me has blessed me personally and enabled me to advance your agenda beyond what anyone anticipated at the beginning of your administration. Your courage, steadfastness and resolute commitment to get results for the American people now, there's no way Trump dictated this because he doesn't know half these no. words. But, <laughs> no. but it is possible that, some, that someone on his team possibly made this up. And, and yeah. to be honest, I'm surprised yeah. Pruitt knows a lot of these words, but, but there's no way that Trump knows <laughs> a lot of these. To get results for the American people, both with regard to improved environmental outcomes as well as historical regulatory reform is in fact occurring at an unprecedented pace and I thank you for the opportunity to serve you and the American people in helping achieve those ends. The, the, I don't know what improved environmental outcomes he's referring to. He's no. uh, the, the historical regulatory improved reform. Improved for whom? Yeah, he has reformed regulations by taking the regulations away which have not resulted in improved environmental outcomes at all. No. But in, t- in terms of being able to do things that big big businesses being now able to do things that they couldn't under previous environmental jurisdictions. Yeah, Im- improved that, that they can now outcomes, do that. Definitely. Yeah. Improved environmental yeah. outcomes is is stretching it to say the least. He continues mm. 
Um, that is why it is hard for me to advise you. I am stepping down as administrator of the EPA effective as of July 6th. It is extremely difficult for me to cease serving you in this role because I count it as a blessing to be serving you in any capacity, but also because of the transformative work that is occurring. However, the unrelenting attacks on me personally, my family, are unprecedented and have taken a sizable toll on all of us. We'll come back to the unprecedented attacks on him yes, and his family. Yes, shortly. Um, yes. He concludes, My desire in service to you has always been to bless you as you make important decisions for the American people. I believe you are serving as president today because of God's providence. I believe that same providence brought me into your service. I pray as I have served you that I have blessed you and enabled you to effectively lead the American people. Thank you again, Mr. President, for the honour of serving you, and I wish you Godspeed in all that you put your hand to. Your faithful friend, Scott. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How many times, how many blessings in there? (laughs) And just that... And actually, the last paragraph kind of repeats itself. It said, you know, I, I was put on this earth, I was blessed to serve you and the American people, and it's been a blessing to serve yeah. you and the American people. My God, it sounds like something somebody would write with a gun to their head in North Korea. It's, yeah. You know, oh, that, absolutely. That, yeah. It's like, it, it's kind of, he might as well sign off, please pardon me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You are a wonderful, wonderful man, and I love you very much. Please, please pardon me. All that stuff that we did before that I'm being held accountable for, let me off. I would do nothing to harm you, and please make sure that nothing is done to harm me. Yes. Yeah. So, um, back to the the unprecedented attacks, (laughs) unrelenting attacks, uh, personally on him and his family. What he's referring to there is people reporting on things he did. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and to in be an honest... In an unprecedented way. Well, mainly because the amount of them was an unprecedented amount. So there would be an unprecedented amount of reporting. Yes. And it's unrelenting because his transgressions were without relent. As I said, the number of scandals, the breadth, yeah. and, the, and frankly the weirdness of the scandals <laughs> that he's been involved in, yeah. in his, yeah. his reasonably short time in office, under two years, yeah. Um, yeah. is... Is is just amazing. It's, it's beggar's, beggar's belief. Can we say? Uh, I I would say that. I would I would go along yeah. with that. Um, yeah. Now, as I said, we this is the part of the show where we we talk about one thing because we don't have time to talk about all the things. We definitely don't have time to talk about all of Pruitt's scandals. It would take at least an hour to to talk about them all, but we don't have an hour. So I'm going to try and do it as best as I can in a minute. Okay, I have a minute on my clock. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Go. Pruitt spent over $4 million on the 24-7 security detail due to what he claimed was an unprecedented number of death threats, none of which were found to be credible. He paid $50 a night to stay in a condo in D.C. that belonged to an energy industry lobbyist. He spent $43,000 on a soundproof booth to make phone calls in his office. He had his staff call the Trump International Hotel in Washington to ask about buying a used mattress. Ew, ew, ew. He spent hundreds of thousands on travel, flying first class everywhere, including $90,000 in a single week. He had his staff drive him 
to various Ritz-Carlton's until he could find his favourite moisturising lotion, which you can only buy at Ritz-Carlton's. He requested his security detail use lights and sirens to get through the DC traffic to get him to dinner quicker. He had his staff try to find various jobs for his wife, including trying to get a Chick-fil-A franchise. He had his staff book him hotel rooms on their personal credit cards and didn't pay them back. He gave two close aides huge raises that weren't authorised and he had other staffers who questioned his spending, demoted or moved and he spent $6,000 on biometric locks for his office, even though he didn't know what a biometric lock was. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Look at that. And And there were others that I didn't have time to get to. And we wonder why he's resigned. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. I don't know. Because he seemed to be doing quite well. Mm. And I would just say literally none of that was about his work at the UPA, which, no. which is also no. awful. And, yeah. and he deserved to resign just for that. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump is currently visiting London and will be met with huge protests, including an officially sanctioned 20-foot inflatable Trump baby, which will fly over Parliament Square. People described the huge orange bloated thing as juvenile and disrespectful, but they thought the blimp was great. Trump officially lost it in a what-the-actual-fuck kind of way at a rally in Montana. I have broken more Elton John records. He seems to have a lot of records... And we beat, and I, by the way, I don't have a musical instrument. I don't have a guitar or an organ. No organ. Elton has an organ. And lots of other people helping. No, we've broken a lot of records. We've broken virtually every record because, you know, look, I only need this face. They need much more room. For basketball, for hockey, for all the sports, they need a lot of room. We don't need it. We have people in that space. So we break all these records. We do it without, like, the musical instruments. This is the only musical, the mouth. And hopefully the brain attached to the mouth, right? The brain, more important than the mouth, is the brain. The brain is much more important. Yep, Donny, that's the organ you don't have. Just for the record, he hasn't broken any of Elton John's records. (laughs) The, The absolute biggest Trump rallies, even according to Trump, staff up to 30,000 people. If you ask other people, they're kind of more like 20,000 people. Whereas Elton John's records include, for example, a concert with 56,000 people. He hasn't broken any of Elton John's records. No. And he kind of makes that logical fallacy which we'll talk about in a future episode where he's comparing two things that aren't the same. Yeah. So he's kind of going, well, you know, I've broken all these records and I don't even have an instrument. Well, that's because you're talking about something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. In Columbus, Ohio, Stormy Daniels was arrested for touching an undercover police officer in a strip club in a specified anatomical area. A rarely cited Ohio law known as the Community Defense Act prohibits anyone touching a nude or semi-nude dancer unless they're related. I really hope that means married. (laughs) Yep. So it's, it's... is that like a, a designated smoking area in a strip club? A, speci- a specified, a specified anatomical, anatomical area. area. Um, yeah. Yes. I don't know. Because, I mean, if you specify any any area of the body is a specified anatomical area, isn't it, really? If you say this bit. Mike Pompeo was sent on a trip to North Korea. He didn't get to meet with Kim Jong-un, but left saying his meetings had been productive. 
The North Koreans called the event disappointing and said they had no plans to disarm, which just goes to show how difficult it is when dealing with one of the world's craziest, most unpredictable regimes, which shifts from threats to warm words and back again at speed. And also North Korea. Ecuador proposed the resolution to encourage breastfeeding at the World Health Organization's assembly, but backed down after the US apparently threatened them with trade sanctions. Russia ultimately stepped in to introduce the same measure, and weirdly, the Americans did not threaten them. And yet, Donald Trump pressed NATO allies to double their target for defence spending to 4% of gross domestic product, as he accused Germany of being a captive of Russia. Members of President Trump's exclusive Florida clubs appear to have been invited to an Air Force One tour. A spokesperson for the White House said it's common for friends and family of the president to receive tours of Air Force One. So all it takes to be considered Trump's friends and family is a $200,000 membership to Mar-a-Lago. I think I'll leave it. Thanks. Yeah. And Trump nominated Brett Kavanaugh to fill Anthony Kennedy's Supreme Court seat. Kavanaugh has written that sitting presidents should be immune from prosecution, shouldn't even be made to answer questions in a criminal investigation. So it's a complete mystery why Trump chose Kavanaugh. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. And if you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump where you can get early access to extended episodes, exclusive bonus content and other cool stuff. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Felicia's Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. Every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. <laughs>